This podcast is recorded in front of a live studio audience in Edwin Comics, Normal, Nebraska. This is Nick Simon. I'm super upset that Joe and Matt made fun of my mascot commission. You're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd Comicast with Joe and Matt. Welcome to episode 54 of THN. We're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, February 15th. And as always, we'll be reading your tweets. Don't forget to tweet us at Two-Headed Nerd on Twitter. Last week's show was way too fast, so we're going to slow this one down a little bit. My name is Matt Bomb, and when I'm not explaining to DJ that The Rock is Polynesian and G.I. Joe's Roadblock with a big, bald Marvin Hagler-looking motherfucker, I'm writing about and appraising comics for WordPoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick, <laughs> artist and co-creator of Good Plus Online. A refreshing breath of fresh air, Joe Patrick. And you're listening to THN. <laughs> and when I'm not suggesting to my friends that I'd like to watch movies and have fruity drinks for my bachelor party like a 7th grade boy at a slumber party, I'm the manager of Legend Comics in Omaha, Nebraska. Who hasn't seen RoboCop yet? I should slap you. I have never seen RoboCop or Flash Gordon or Red Dawn. God, I hate this show. This week you'll hear reviews of Road Rage, number one, and Glory, number one. After that, we'll review ten comics so damn fast casual listeners may think we're having a seizure during the ludicrous speed round. And then we'll pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where a handful of alternative medications mixed with Robitussin will allow us to discuss <laughs> comics from the future. The, the comic future? The future. And finally, the comic pushes are back, slinging comic product to one lucky chicken head tweaker out there. But before we get to all that complete and utter nincompoopery, let's do some cartwheels by the pool and complain about these drinks being watered down. Then we'll talk about this week's Big news. Is it too soon to make fun of Whitney? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, Marvel Comics announced that the Marvel Zombies will be returning for what must be their 37th miniseries this May. Right? We've had a million. The five-issue Marvel Zombies Destroy! Exclamation point series will be written by series veteran Frank Marafino. How many of those has he written? I don't recognize I think that he just wrote the last one. Okay. Veteran. And, well, you know. <laughs> and illustrated by Ruse and Doc and Dark Wolverine artist Mirko Pierfederici. Ooh. Yeah. He Italian. Yeah. Covers for the series will be provided by Michael Del Mundo. This thrilling installment will see Howard the Duck and Dum Dum Dukin. Perfect. <laughs> traveling to an alternate universe where zombie powered Nazis won World War II. That's right. Why, Matt? Because uh, it sells. It keeps selling. No, no. I'm here to tell you that they don't. Really? Their sales were bad on the last one? <laughs> well, at our shop. No, national Nobody level. cares about Marvel Zombies. National level, they still sold pretty well. I and don't we wouldn't be seeing this it. again if they didn't end their miniseries. And it's sticky. And people, if nothing else, people will buy number one. And they know they can make some I bet the there. trade sell of. Really well. Oh, yeah. I bet they do. I don't care about this. I don't plan on reading this. I haven't read one for quite a while. The first two were cute. The Robert Kirkman ones were fun. I even liked, I think, uh, the third one, which was Fred Van Lente, where they switched the focus to Machine Man from Next Oh, no, Wave. that one was fun. Yeah. <clears throat> but after that, I just lost the plot. Yeah, I stopped paying attention altogether. <clears throat> I don't care so much about this. Somebody does, and it'll probably sell again. But. It's slow news week, kids. Sorry. Now, for more on our continuing coverage of the Ghost Rider Gate story, Marvel Comics Chief Executive Officer Joe Casada and publisher Dan Buckley, who I've never heard of that guy, spoke to comicbookresources.com about the ongoing legal battle between Marvel and writer Gary Friedrich. Over the creation of Ghost Rider, Joe Casada called the matter, quote, a very tough situation for everyone involved. 
Buckley and Casada denied reports that Friedrich has been prohibited from promoting his involvement in the character's creation, but went on to say that many creators contributed to the character, including Roy Thomas, Mike Plug, and Stan Lee. The Marvel executives also clarified that the $17,000 sum that Friedrich owes for the sale of unauthorized merchandise is not any kind of fine or judgment against the writer. Rather, it's part of an agreement between both parties. According to Casada, quote, By agreeing on a number for the profits Gary made from selling unlicensed Johnny Blaze slash Ghostwriter merchandise, after the court has decided that Marvel is the owner of that copyright, it allows Gary's attorney to file his appeal now rather than have Gary litigate further. When asked to address concerns that the case sets a dangerous precedent for freelance artists supporting themselves by selling convention sketches and signing autographs, Buckley said, quote, We in no way want to interfere with creators who are providing a positive Marvel experience for our fans. Part of that positive interaction is that a fan can walk away with a signed memento or personalized sketch from an artist, Joe. What do you think here? Still ready to burn your Stan Lee effigy? Listen, the record rule will reflect that I think we were both a little bit down on Gary Friedrich for selling unauthorized stuff. Well, I mean, we last I week. I still don't think that there's any argument because selling unauthorized stuff is selling unauthorized stuff. Do I think he should get like sued or have to pay for it or beat up for it? No, not necessarily. No, yeah, and I think that but was you, the, the you, gist of our point is you that you can't do that. It was a shame that Marvel felt like they needed to go after him, but it sounds like we just didn't understand all the facts. And it sounds like this is a number he agreed to. Yeah, I mean, if it if it means. You know, the court ruled in Marvel's favor. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If agreeing on a, a settlement that the 17000 was just something that needed to get done, it was a hurdle that needed to be jumped so that Gary could start appealing immediately rather than drag it out in court. See, but that even sounds like he doesn't expect to pay anything. He's appealing immediately, so... This could get even uglier. I don't know. It could be, but I I guess the bottom line is that this is a very complicated case, and it's very easy to paint Marvel as the monster, like the Goliath, but this is just a really complex situation. Walt Disney's robot brain is the monster. And it is a shame. It is good news to hear Marvel come out and say that creators don't have to be quite as worried. Yeah. That said... Yeah, make sure you're in good Marvel's good graces. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Before you draw that Nightcrawler sketch. Joe, tell the kids some sad news. All right, finally, it is with great sadness that we report the death of an industry legend. Eisner Award Hall of Fame comic artist John Severin passed away on Sunday, February 12th, at the age of 90. Severin enjoyed an illustration career that spanned more than six decades While best known for his work on various war and western comics at publishers like Marvel and EC Comics, Severin was also an accomplished humor artist. He was a mainstay for many years at Cracked Magazine and was one of the cartoonists that founded the original Mad Magazine at EC Comics in 1952. I had no idea. Severin managed to stay relevant well into his golden years with his work on books like the Rawhide Kid revival for Marvel's Max imprint and the recent Witchfinder series for Dark Horse. Which looked really good. It was beautiful. According to a statement released by his family, Mr. Severin passed away in his Denver home with his family at his side. In the statement, Stan Lee said, quote, he had an art style that was uniquely and distinctly his own. The minute you looked at his artwork, you knew you were looking at a John Severin illustration. It could be no one else. Rest in peace, John. 
That's the big news for this week. And if you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on our Facebook page where DJ's ongoing Rawhide Kid fan fiction for this month sees the West's best-dressed cowpoke cuddling up to the original Ghost Rider in a chapter he's calling And It Burns, Burns, Burns Like a Ring of Fire. (laughs) Rest in peace, John. (laughs) You're the one that always puts the story about the dead guy last. You know I'm going to say something tasteless. Before we get to our reviews, Joe, read me a tweet. Now! Our first tweet of the week comes from Fabic. Yeah, that's right. I had to go into his profile to learn how to pronounce his name. Fabic. Who asks, hey, so what's up with Dynamite getting sued over the risque covers on Warlord of Mars? Getting sued? She was like that in the original story. He's referring to Deja Thoris, of course. Yeah. Uh, so this is a late-breaking story. And her mom. There's risque covers featuring her mom in the latest Yeesh. one. <laughs> We just didn't have time to research and formulate an opinion on this one, and it's going to take a little bit more time to answer. So we're going to save it, and it will be the lead story next week in our big news segment. Booyah. So keep listening. If only you guys could write the script for us. Yeah. It's review time here at THN, and as always, Matt and I rolled a d20 against our diplomacy scores to see who goes first, and Matt's charisma modifier more than doubled my paltry six. He ugly. So he gets to go first. Matt, tell him what you read. This week I read Glory 23, written from Image Comics as part of the Extreme Relaunch, written by Eisner and Harvey Award editor of the Pop Gun anthology, Joe Keating. And Ross Campbell, artist and creator of Wet Moon and Shadow Eyes. Oh, I thought that art looked familiar. Yes. Wet Moon is... Ross Campbell has an unmistakable art style. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very striking. It is crazy. Like I said, this is the second title in the extreme relaunch from Image, but unlike Prophet, Glory has only slightly been retooled. Back in the 90s, when Liefeld came up with the Wonder Woman ripoff, she was a mixed-race child. He wrote child. analog in the script, I not did. ripoff. I went straight to ripoff. She was a mixed-race child of two warring groups to create peace. Her mother was Lady Demeter, queen of the Amazonians, and her father, Lord Silverfall, demonic lord of the underworld. Well, sure. In the new series, her origin has been retooled just slightly so that her parents are aliens from a planet that has been in civil war for eons. But Glory is not exactly the silver-haired, seven-foot-tall waif model as drawn by Mike Diodato that she used to be. Ross Campbell's Glory is a monster of a woman with Hulk-like features that looks like she should be punching tanks and breaking backs. And in guess fact, what? Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what she is doing in this comic. On the title page when they show her punching that tank, I was like... <laughs> Well, yeah, she looks like she could do it. She is gigantic. I mean, they they are drawing Glory bigger than most men in comics. Yeah, Keating does a fantastic job bringing readers up to speed on Glory's past in a scene where she basically has this big info dump conversation with Supreme, who is here too, in which she basically not go, gives her entire history of where she came from, why she's here, the little twist on the alien thing, and more or less tells Supreme that she could kick his ass if she wanted to. And I believe it. The story centers around a young journalist named Riley Barnes, who has been searching for Glory, who subsequently disappeared years ago. All the Glory appearances we get in this comic are from flashbacks or from Riley's dreams. Like I said, Riley has been dreaming about Glory since she was a little girl. 
And when she decided she was going to write her final, for journalism school, her thesis paper, pardon me, she decides to write it on whatever happened to Glory. And she goes on this quest, searching for the lost female superhero that leads her to France, where she meets another American blonde bartender, also named Glory. <laughs> Is there a name? Gloria. Yeah, her name Gloria who has some insights as to what happened to Glory. When we do finally meet the hulking Amazon, there's a great plot twist that explains why she's laying low these days. I gotta say, when I heard that this was coming back, I not only did not care at all, I felt the same way that I felt about Profit. And then I saw the preview art, and much like Profit, I went, what the hell is that? <laughs> I loved the art. It was fantastic. Mm. There were a couple panels where it, it got away from Campbell a little bit, but the action panels were beautiful. The violence was perfect. This is Wonder Woman on steroids. She's huge. She's insanely powerful. And somehow Campbell does a really good job of still making her very pretty. She's beautiful. Like Her face is soft and kind of tender, but her muscles are just pile drivers. Yeah. They're ridiculous. This is what DC wishes they could have done with the Wonder Woman relaunch, as far as I'm concerned. Though the Wonder Woman relaunch is very good. It is good. It's very good. But Campbell's redesign of this character is so... It's it just kick-ass. It really is. It reminds me sort of what Matt Wagner and Frank Quietly used to do with oh, Wonder Woman. yeah, totally. When they would draw her, like, burly shoulders yeah, she and is big not, arms. Uh, she's not a tiny thing. She no. is an Amazon. and it, she, Yeah, she basically tears her way through everything in this comic. It's I'm super excited for more of this, and I can't believe how good of a job Keating and Campbell did <laughs> relaunching this terrible character, this total throwaway <laughs> Wonder Woman rip-off character. And now I've got to read more of this. I'm giving this a huge buy-it. Uh, same here. I am excited to read more, and I enjoyed this a hell of a lot more than I enjoyed Profit. Uh, Profit was good. It was just too out there for me and not my cup of tea. But this, I, I really loved it. I love the intrigue. I love the mystery. I'm giving it a huge buy-it. Joe, tell the kids what you read this week. Stephen King and Joe Camel's Road Rage, number one. <laughs> you said camel again. <laughs> that time I said camel. Well, yeah, why are you doing this? <laughs> tell them what you read this week, Joe Patrick. <laughs> the first time you said I said... Hi, my name is Joe Patrick, and this week I read Stephen King and Joe Hill's Road Rage, number one. All right, shut up. <laughs> I read Stephen King and Joe Hill's Road Rage, number one, adapted by Chris Ryle from the novella Throttle by King and Hill. The art in this was by Nelson Daniel. Here's your solicitation from Diamond. Acclaimed novelist slash Eisner winning graphic novelist Joe Hill. They're called comic books, people. I think they are. I think that's true. Acclaimed novelist... Slash something something Joe Hill collaborated with his father, Stephen King, for the first time on a tale that paid tribute to Richard Matheson's classic tale, Duel. Now IDW is proud to present comic book tellings of both stories in Road Rage. First up is the Hill slash King adventure tale Throttle, adapted by Chris Ryle alongside Hill and King and featuring art by Nelson Daniel. Throttle tells the tale of a motorcycle gang pursued by an unseen assailant in a big rig. So in case... You didn't quite get that. What we are dealing with here is the first issue of an anthology series that is an adaptation of a tribute to an adaptation of a short story. Which was turned into a movie by Steven Spielberg, <laughs> which was a story of a truck chasing a businessman on a California <sighs> so, highway. So, apparently, 
Road Rage is a four-issue mini split into two two-issue stories. The first story is... This could not be any more confusing. I know, right? <laughs> the first story is this adaptation of Throttle by King and Hill. The story features members of the tribe, a motorcycle gang that is slipping into some dirty business. You methy know? business. Methy. Things could get methy. <laughs> <laughs> Vince and Lemmy... Uh, the elders of the gang are trying to decide how to handle the group's slide into criminal behavior as the younger members try to push the gang into the more lucrative meth trade. So you've got these two elders, Vince and Lemmy, and of course Lemmy looks like Lemmy from Motorhead. You trying know to... what Lemmy from Motorhead looks like? Dude, I figured Lemmy would scare you so bad you'd be afraid he's going to come kill your parents. I know things. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just as the drama within the group kind of reaches its fever pitch, uh, they start getting run down by a homicidal trucker. Yeah, like, boom. Yeah, and I was actually starting to warm up to the group drama, and I would have liked to see more of that. I I felt that the book didn't do the best job of setting up a sense of menace with the evil trucker. You do see him earlier in the book, and it's kind of there, but I think it needed more of a build-up. There's even a scene where he, like, pleasantly waves the bikers on <laughs> to pass him by uh, right before he starts just plowing them down. Okay, while you're while you're there, I watched Duel, the story that this pays tribute to this week, and it did exactly what you were saying. The whole movie was a buildup where we saw the businessman, you know, running from this trucker at first, innocently trying to pass him and the trucker, you know, waves him on and he almost gets hit by a car coming from the opposite direction, and Spielberg did an amazing job building the suspense of this evil truck. Like, why it's trying to kill this guy. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. We don't see the trucker. We don't know what's going on, and this guy is trying to rationalize it, and he's terrified, and it builds this fever pitch, and I won't give away the end, but it is a movie from the 70s, so you should have seen it by now. There was no buildup here. This was, they're bad bikers. They threw a beer at the truck. Now Now the truck is killing them. Now listen, we had this argument over the phone before we recorded. Your comments are as though this was an adaptation of that movie. It is not. I'm not saying it's an adaptation of the movie. I'm saying the movie and the story did an excellent job of building suspense and that's around fine. the character of the truck. Save your comments for issues two, uh, three, and four. Nothing <laughs> like that happened. The actual here. adaptation there, of Duel. You just criticized it too. There was no buildup. I know, but stop comparing it to Duel because it's not an adaptation of Duel. No, it's a tribute to. I got but it. But anyway... As I was about to say, I don't have a connection to the source material. I never saw Duel. I never read the original story. You know, I I didn't really have that connection. I I thought it was decent, but not a must-read start. I I did like Ryle's dialogue. I thought it was solid. I wasn't sure what to expect from him, because he's normally kind of an editor. He's a honcho at IDW. But he does a a pretty decent job with uh, the characters' voices, and the art by Nelson Daniel is really nice. He does a good job with the storytelling, and what could have been visually dull, I mean, it's... The art was solid. It's guys driving on motorcycles. Yeah. No, the art was definitely solid. Other than the actual violence, there's nothing really exciting there. But he throws in some really cool layouts and camera angles, and so he adds something to it. And then he does this kind of zip-a-tone effect to imply shadow. See, I hated it. I really enjoy it. I hated the zip. Okay, and I don't mind the zip tone in the background, like maybe the shadow of a truck, maybe like it's the on shadow everything. of Horizon. There's too much zip tone The zip tone nah. on the shadow on their faces and stuff. I think it works. I didn't, it did not work for me. I'm giving this a skim it. Obviously, I'm not super enthusiastic about it, but I didn't hate it. And if you're not familiar with the source material, then I guess you really don't have a complaint about how a faithful 
enough or not it is <laughs> again so I, I thought it was decent it could have been better skim it i'm not saying i wanted to see duel with a motorcycle gang but that's basically what they're doing is the same truck the same character chasing down a motorcycle gang there's just no build up here and i agree with that and it lost a lot for me on that i, either, I think it needed more room to breathe two or, issues is probably not enough to yeah, build up nowhere that kind near of enough so you know what give me a comic book about these motorcycle about this motorcycle gang the situation i might read that like a crime book give me a yeah. comic book about a lone motorcycle rider you know who left his gang or whatever and we don't need to know much about him and he gets into it with this truck driver and it's kind of scary and it lasts two issues and we don't really know and maybe phil noto draws it i don't know why but that would look cool maybe i'd be into that he did one of the variants for this yeah he did i was not into this it seemed like maybe ryle was trying to do too much with too little i'm giving this a leave it So that is a double buy it for Glory 23 and a skim it from Joe Patrick and a leave it from me for yada yada and doo doo doo's Road Rage number one from IDW. <laughs> I hate it when they put their names in the titles. I hate it. It's so dumb. <laughs> As always, we want to know your thoughts on these comics, so hit us up on our Facebook page. But no, if you disagree... We'll be right there to wave you into oncoming traffic. Joe Patrick, before we put on our ceremonial robes, read us a tweet. Our next tweet comes from Lugosi6, who just wanted to echo our sentiments, saying, Man, oh man, that fatal from Image is so good. It is good. I have no idea where the story is heading. <laughs> Tell me about it. Join the club, Lugosi. Aliens, Satan, Nazis. Who <laughs> knows? I don't even know. Now join us in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll be licking psychedelic toads and taking turns wearing the helm of Naboo to gaze into the future of next week's comics. You have to get real high first, just like Dr. Fate. (laughs) That dude was always out of his gourd. Matt, what title has Naboo's helm chosen for you? Next week, I'm looking forward to Mondo, number one. From Image Comics by Ted McKeever. Ted McKeever is a crazy person with a crazy, crazy art style. He's worked with Lydia Lunch. You've got to get real high first. <laughs> yeah, it helps to lick as many toads as possible for this one. This is the story of a chicken enhancer that falls victim to his own chicken enhancement. No, I'm not making that up. Of course it does. <laughs> Joe Patrick. What will you be reading next week? My pick for next week is The Flash, number six from DC Comics, by Francis Manipole. Mainly because it's a really light week. It's uh, about Barry Allen and The Flash solving the 150-year-old mystery steeped in the origins of Keystone and Central City. And I'm curious to get a little bit more background on The Flash's character in this new 52 universe. As always, we want to know what you'll be reading next week, so lick some toads and send us your picks. The two other nerds does not condone licking psychedelic toads for the purpose of getting high. Stop your cussing. That pinging you hear in the background is the THN mother box, warning you that any second now a boom tube is about to open up and suck you, me, and DJ here through the bleed on a faster-than-light journey to War World, where we'll be reviewing ten comics at apocalyptic speed while wearing stone kilts, 
during the ludicrous speed round. You know that boom tubes don't take you to War World, right? They, they take you to take Apocalypse. You to uh, isn't it War World? It's Apocalypse. Ludicrous speed! <laughs> Go! Wolverine 301. This was a totally wasted effort. Bad art by Billy Tan. Bad art by the backup guy. And what a terrible design on the Silver Samurai. This is one of the coolest Wolverine bad guys out there. And they redesigned him to look like Iron Man with lightsabers. I hated it. Leave it. Wow. Batman number six. The conclusion of the Court of Owls nightmare for Batman. Somehow... He defeats them and escapes, and yet still looks like he completely got destroyed. It was awesome. I loved it. Buy it. Peter Panzerfaust, number one. This is written by, I can't say his first name, Weeby is the last name. Curtis. Curtis Weeby, who writes Green Wake, which is also a great book. The Intrepids. This is the story of Peter Pan, if he were a magical orphan in 1940s France. I don't know how the, much magic is involved. <laughs> we'll see at the Battle of <laughs> this, Calais. This is a great When review. the Germans were coming in to take over France, and he meets some orphans, and he's the freedom fighter, and it was kind of fun, and the art was kind of neat, and there was this really weird last page that totally threw me. It was very Abrupt. And I don't know what to think of it, but I'm still giving it a buy it. Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi, Jedi Force Storm number one. Is that seriously the whole title? It's Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force Storm number one. <laughs> <Good> God. <laughs> I was really excited for this. I was really getting into... This is Ostrander, right? Yeah, I was really excited to get into Star Wars comics now, and I was bored. Wow. The first, like... Three quarters of this book is an info dump about how the Jedi's came to Typhon and blah 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 blah, and it's all text and no. He likes pictures in his stories, folks. Skim it. <laughs> New Avengers Twenty One. Your anti Bendis rant seemed to have worn off on me. This there was nothing here, man. Mike Diodato's art was bad. It was spastic. This was another battle with Clone Four, which I barely cared about the first time. Almost nothing happened here. I'm not buying the American public is pissed at the Avengers because a group of Nazis came and fought Washington, D.C. That's dumb. It, it, it's just not working for me anymore. I'm giving this a leave it. Oh, snap! You did this to me, Joe Patrick. Army of Darkness, number one. I've never seen Army of Darkness. Add that to the list. Oh my god, man! Uh, Seriously, god. <laughs> I've seen, like, I've seen it in five-minute increments. You call yourself a nerd! <laughs> I, I, I gave this a try. It's it's ash but with boobs and it was terrible and the art is not very good and it's got some real problems uh remembering which hand is the magic hand are you serious yeah i'm giving this a leave it it was not good gi joe retaliation number one speaking of bad art this is the prequel to your next gi joe movie which joe patrick swears could be cool i'm so excited Uh, this is the rock as roadblock your polynesian roadblock oh get over it you racist it just sucks man roadblock is a big sexy black man and that's how they should have stayed with it because there's plenty still working in hollywood right now there's almost no story here there's barely a prequel the art was bad the dialogue was worse i'm giving this a solid leave it daredevil number one Body, Mr. Body Massage. Oh! <laughs> it's Daredevil number nine. One. Not Daredevil, Daredevil number, number nine. Daredevil number nine. Corrected. <laughs> We've lost it completely. Um, the ludicrous speed round goes off the rails, folks. <laughs> we licked too many toads. Yeah. Daredevil is so good, I want to punch people in the face. It makes me like, you're not reading Daredevil? Punch! It's so good. It really is so damn good. This is Daredevil tracking down the mole man who is robbing graves from underneath cemeteries. 
And there's this moment where the mole man finds what he wants, and he... I don't want to ruin it, but it was so haunting. Okay, I didn't read this yet, but did this actually spin right out of Avenging Spider-Man? Because that's how they build it. No, 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 no. Okay, because that, that it was... It had nothing to do with Avenging The solicitation Spider-Man. said spinning out of Avenging Spider-Man. It was the, the last place we saw mole man. Oh, okay. But uh, it was so wonderful. Paolo Rivera's back. It's gorgeous. It's buy it already. Speaking of, Avenging Spider-Man number four. This is the first Greg Land Avenging Spider-Man. First and I think only. I think he's just doing this one. Yes, I think so. The art was actually pretty good. And I'd say that. I hate to say it. Mm. But Greg Land has been really hit and miss with me for a long time. The art here was pretty solid. The story, however, very thin. Seemed like it took about maybe five minutes to write. I don't like how cocky Hawkeye was. He's a cocky guy, but this was a little too much. I still don't like that he's running around in the movie costume. Pretty thin here. The best I can give is a skim it. Mm. DC Comics presents number six by your man, Dan DiDio. <laughs> I was really excited for hey this. Hey, kids, it's Dan DiDio. <laughs> I was really excited for this because it's the challenges of the unknown, and I was glad to see that really they were... Really cool cover. Bring, yes, uh, Ryan. So I was really glad to see that they were bringing in some older concepts into the new DC that said, this was not good. Look, Dandy Dio's got a lot of goodwill go- coming from OMAC. People like it. Whatever he has going on there, he does not have going on here. I think what he's got going on there is Keith Giffen. Could be. The freshly um, canceled OMAC, by the way. Yeah, I know. But uh, this was just not very good. And Jerry Ordway did the art, who I love. I love Jerry Ordway. Shut up, Matt Bomb. <laughs> I like I him, too. I love Jerry Ordway. Screw you. I like him, too. But uh, it was just, it was all around not good. It was a... a just a cliched reality show plot and it was leave it Zaka that is your ludicrous speed round and Zaka is the sound that I'm calling him rock blocks M60 makes (laughs) when he's mowing down ninjas and it's more fun to throw it right into the dialogue from this week's G.I. Joe Retaliation number one for example I'm not the one you should be asking Zaka It was once said by a nerd that couldn't quit. Comic pushers, please, can I have another hit? Did I read that? You did. But you don't know that that's an NWA song. No, I don't. No, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, y'all, the comic pushers are back to turn you into toothless, rich-scratching comic chunkies. That's right. This week, Brent writes... I'm reading old Gotham Centrals by Brew Baker and Rucka, and I'm digging the perspective of Batman and his rogues gallery as seen by ordinary people. Are there any other comics from the archive or ongoing that show superheroes or villains from a grounded or third-party point of view? This is a great one. I really like this question, and the first thing that popped into my head... Jessica Jones, Alias, by Ooh, Brian Michael Bendis, man. Alias. Now, I will say Jessica Jones does have powers, but she's not using but it's them. But it's not about her being a superhero. It's not at all. She's not even using them at this point in her life. They they reveal that she was an Avenger briefly. It didn't feel right for her, and so she went and became a private detective. Yeah. And it is a very, very human drama that takes place in the Marvel Universe, the first storyline is basically about Captain America having an affair <laughs> and like possibly getting discovered by some paparazzi. This was a wonderful <clears throat> book, and you can buy the complete alias in softcover right now, and it is 
they're, they're putting it out it. in those ultimate collections, which are like twelve issue chunks. They did put out a big complete alias. They though. put out that might be hard to find. No, they put out an omnibus hardcover, which is out Ooh. of print. But they have been doing the ultimate collections, uh, like they've been doing for the ultimate Spider Mans and the recent uh, Kurt Busiek Avengers. And these were so good, and the art is honestly very Michael similar. Gatos, yeah, yeah. Mm. very similar to what was going on in uh, very similar to Michael Lark, yeah, mm-hmm. from uh, Gotham Central. Joey. What would you suggest? Well, I guess to keep the Bendis Love Fest going, because we feel really bad for being pretty mean to him earlier. You made me this way. I was fine <laughs> with my Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, I'm going to recommend Powers uh, to you. It is a, it is the story of uh, the Powers Division of the New York Police Department, and they're basically the people that investigate super-powered crimes. So they're like the major crimes unit in Gotham Central, but in the Powers universe. They go deal with the, as the chief calls it, the super-powered bullshit in town. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so it, it has had a long history. It's uh, been coming out for oh, over 10 years now at this point. And There's shockingly not that many issues. Though. No, well, <laughs> like it was, they've had some it breaks. very slow. But it, so it's got uh, Christian Walker who has a mysterious past that I will not spoil, and his new partner, Dina Pilgrim, and they have to investigate uh, the murder of one of the city's most beloved heroes, Retro Girl. After that first storyline, it just goes on from there, and it's, it paints these celeb- uh, these superheroes as like a celebrity culture, like like you'd see them on TMZ or something. Yeah, they're terrible. They're just and, terrible. Like, how would the people in this universe view a bunch of people running around calling themselves gods? This is very glib, very tongue-in-cheek, sort of like Law & Order level street a crime bit. police stuff, um, where and, the cops hate the superheroes. And, well, yeah. <laughs> and the, the difference is, is that it does get a little bit more superhero-y than Gotham Central ever did, but um, it's also filthy and hilarious. And violent <laughs> as all get out. <laughs> yes. So if you've never read Powers, I recommend it. Uh, it's perpetually in print. And Michael Avon Oming's art is just gorgeous. Amazing. And it's going to take you a little getting used to because it's it very cartoony. cartoony and weird. Yeah. But once you get into the rhythm, what that guy does, man, so good. But it is, it's been by like a singular creative team. So that vision, it's been like their vision for this entire run. It's, I highly recommend it. Thank you for the question, Brent. And if you want some reading suggestions from those rat soup eating Zackas, the comic pushers, just shoot us an email at twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Tell us what you're into, and we'll pump you full of comic narcotics. Sort of break it down like this. That is it for the Two Headed Nerd Comic Cast for the first week of a world with no Whitney Houston. R.I.P., baby girl. And to help you with your morning process, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, and while you're there, Leave us a little star rating or even a short written review unless you're a Whitney fan and this totally offended you. Then just, you know, forget about the whole thing. <laughs> Huge thanks to this week's donor, John. And if you'd like to help us fund the Build-A-Bear bereavement bouquet that we're sending to the Houston funeral. <laughs> Straight out of family. That's this great. so mean. You can make... And why wouldn't you want to donate? <laughs> In any amount by clicking our donate button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. While you're there, you can find links to our Twitter feed and our email, TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com, where you can challenge comic poobah Joe Pa to any comic book related trivia question for our Ask a Nerd segment or you know you can just ask a legitimate question whatever and keep your THN mascot art coming for the official THN mascot contest which may never end because we still don't have a new website (laughs) if that's not enough for you head over to our Facebook page where you can become a fan of THN and answer the question of the week this week's query 
with Ghost Rider hitting theaters this weekend and Nicolas Cage peeing fire all over the place. We want to know, is he your Johnny Blaze? And if not, who would you like to see play Johnny in perhaps a real Ghost Rider movie? A real Ghost Rider movie? Sam Rockwell. Johnny Blaze. Sam Rockwell, baby. Stumbling around, kind of drunk. Stunt man, dude. Oh, he'd nail it. <laughs> Before we go. Before we go! Our weekly shout-out goes to Marvel talent scout writer and avid food critic C.B. Sabolsky, because it's his birthday. Word to you, C.B. Before we go, Joe Patrick, read us one more tweet. Mr. Nomus tweets, Hey, two-headed nerd, what should I drop from my pull list? FF, Captain America, Action Comics, or Morning Glory? How about none of the above? What is your problem? Can we <laughs> seriously? Those are like those are like four of the best I can think of right now. Morning glories, no question. <laughs> Although I really like morning glories. Fifteen issues in and still not one inkling of an answer. Come on! Yeah. What are you, a lost writer? <laughs> Until next time, true believers. This is the two-headed nerd. Signing off. Oh man, check out that thing, man. What do you want to do with it? Let's launch over it. Who wants a body massage? Uh, what did he just say to us? Hello. Mr. Body Massage Machine. Go! Uh, what the hell? Body Massage.